Hi, this is Tom Compton. You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events. Ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's WHTT Speaks Out, we're going to talk about one of our favorite things here at We Hold These Truths, and that's our vigils. These vigils have been going on now for almost 12 years, actually. We started before the Gulf War in 2002, and so we've been challenging churches over 100 now in in this 12 years, and these we call vigils, as anybody that has listened to previous podcasts know that uh, we don't call these protests because we don't try to get large numbers of people. Even one person, as what Craig did last week, Craig Hansen is on air with us tonight, and he's going to be talking a little bit about his experience at a KUFI, Christian United for Israel event. And we've done, I don't know how many of these KUFI events had vigils in front of these to challenge the people in. And on a couple of the podcasts, we talked a little bit about the reaction that we're getting. In fact, Craig Hansen went into these meetings and found out what they were saying. And in two meetings, they were actually talking about us, saying some unkind words about us, which is kind of a gives us a warm and fuzzy feeling because we know that that bothers them, obviously, that they have somebody out there holding signs, controversial signs like choose life, not war, who would Jesus bomb, and that really terrible one, blessed are the peacemakers. Oh, that's intolerable at these Kufi events. I think it must raise the hackles on their neck, I would guess. But anyway, we're going to talk about the event, the Kufi event, that was led by our man in the Bay Area, Craig Hansen, last week in Sacramento. And this was at the Trinity Life Center. They seem to be a repeat venue for Kufi. It's been the third one that we've actually conducted a vigil at. And so, Craig, why don't you tell us a little bit uh, about the vigil and what you learned? Or actually, I guess your wife went in while you were outside, so she got the scoop of what was going on. The event took place on the 18th in uh, in Sacramento at uh, Trinity Life Center. And what's interesting is that Trinity Life Center, you go on the webpage, and their mission statement is that Trinity Life Center exists to build Christ followers who love, live, and lead as Jesus modeled. So that's their mission statement. The question always is, who would Jesus bomb and blessed are the peacemakers? The players in this one, and also this was the standing with Israel, they also have a knight to honor Israel. That's more the upscale version where you get the big guns coming out. Standing with Israel is usually a smaller venue with maybe one or two speakers. The speaker on this time was Dr. Jay Dudley. I'll, I'll read you their little flyer on that. The MC is Randy Neal. He's a full-time KUFI employee. He's the uh, Western Regional Coordinator. He's been with them for eight years. And what's interesting, I just did a little research and found out he's also on APAC, the Northwestern chapter of uh, APAC, the American Israel Public Affairs Committee. 
which I, I, I didn't realize that one. So that, that's a new little piece of information. Anyway, what I'd like to do is just read the little flyer that they put out about Dr. Jay Dudley. And his speech that he gave was entitled, Return of the Wolf. I'd like to say ahead of time, there were so many things that I looked through this, listened to it, went through my wife's notes. It's like white is black, black is white. The wolf is the sheep, the sheep is the wolf. It gets so confusing trying to sort this thing out, and I think that will become more aware of that as I go through that. Anyway, Return of the Wolf, and this is from Dr. J. Dudley. Evil by nature masquerades while hiding in plain sight, pretending to be anything other than evil. Nothing offers evil more convincing camouflage than religion. As psychiatrists observed, evil people tend to gravitate towards piety for the disguise and the concealment it can offer them. Millennia ago, Jesus of Nazareth captured this deeply deceptive tendency of evil with a haunting word pictured. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inward are ravenous wolves. The wolf nevertheless always returns, and the ploy works again and again. The presentation, Return of the Wolf, explores three related historical and theological movements in which the wolf takes cover in a cloak of sheepskin and wrecks havoc. The first sighting occurs around 1933 in Nazi Germany with the German Christian movement. The second sighting takes place in the late 1960s in Latin America in a movement called Liberation Theology. A third sighting is made in the contemporary Middle East with a movement called Christian Palestinianism. It says, like the wolf in Little Red Riding Hood meets Grandma, then dons her clothes to exact a deadly charade. Each of these three movements assumes the cover of Christianity, then consumes the people around them. Additionally, two of these movements use the cloak of Christianity to set out their own vicious versions of anti-Semitism, hatred, and destruction. Return of the Wolf reveals a disturbing but undeniable historical pattern that, in its current expression, aims at nothing less than the devastation of Israel. So that's, that's the fly that they put out on the, uh, the Kufi webpage. So, uh, so that gives you an idea of what is going to be covered there. Jay developed a chart that he passed out, and it covers the three movements, as it were. The first one being the German Christian movement, the second, the liberation theology, and the third, Christian Palestinianism. Jay was introduced by Randy Neal, and what was interesting, Randy just kind of gave an overview, a very quick synopsis of what I just kind of read to you, and he talked about the Christian Palestinianism who have remade uh, Jesus into their own image and don't believe Jesus is a Jew, like the protesters out on the sidewalk. And I'm going, excuse me, <laughs> Randy, you never came out and talked to me, although one of the pastors of um, uh, Trading Life Center came out and talked to me, and I gave him one of my flyers uh, entitled Jesus is not a Zionist. So maybe from that, because they said Jesus is not a Zionist, he, they took it that Jesus is not a Jew. But all of these movements, they, they remake Jesus into their own image. They remake the Bible. They have a different hermeneutic, and that's what Jay presents through the, through the whole presentation, is that these people redo the Bible, they redo Jesus, they throw out what they don't want, they take what they put in what they want, they, they make Jesus to be their, their own Savior. And so, actually, Randy was accusing us, 
we hold these truths as don't we all believe that Jesus was a Jew? If, if by that he means a Ashkenazi, Khazarian Jew of today, I would say yes. But as a son of David, heir to the throne of Israel, I most definitely believe Jesus is a Jew, the son of God. He's 100% God, 100% man. Uh, I'm not creating a new Jesus uh, in this at all, nor are any of us. I'm, I'm sure we'd all agree on that. But so I was, I was kind of surprised. To, uh, to hear that come out of Randy's, Randy's mouth uh, in an accusation against us. Uh, the signs I did carry were uh, no more wars for Israel and Jesus is not a Zionist. And the flyer I had was uh, Jesus is not a Zionist and with a, a little blurb on what Zionism is, what Christian Zionism is, and then there were some different scriptures pointing out that Jesus in no way supported the nation state of Israel and using it, Galatians 3 as the as the example of the fulfillment of biblical prophecies through Jesus. Randy said he's known Jay for about 15 years, and he is a Bible scholar. He has master's, master in divinity. And so and this, this is one thing that Randy said. He believes in Israel because he is a Bible scholar. So if you don't believe in Israel, you're not a Bible scholar, is the, is the takeaway from that one. And that this Christian Palestinianism is this new flavor. I found interesting about this. You know, we've been talking about Christian Zionism, and now we've got Christian Palestinianism. It's like, are you for the 49ers, or are you for the Broncos? It's like two separate teams here, and it's not like there's anything wrong with Christian Zionism, but uh, Christian Palestinianism is just another, another flavor. And they don't talk about any of the problems we see with Christian Zionism, they just say, well, that's their Christian Palestinianism. They believe in a different Bible. They believe in a different Jesus. And they just write, it, write us off as that. And I, that, to me, was, was the new twist that, that I had not seen before. And also, he said, the end result, and he talked about the Presbyterian Church and the Methodist and the Episcopal, all the, all the mainline churches that we've been talking about that are starting to wake up. He says, they're not just interested in a change in policy, they want the end of Israel as their ultimate goal. And that's a, another thing he passed out. Any, any comments, any of that stuff so far? Well, I think that's really great that the Christian Zionist movement is going out and attacking the mainline churches for noticing them and noticing that Israel is occupying Palestine. These churches basically haven't gone very far. They have not asked for Israel to be dissolved or anything like that. They've just noticed what Israel is doing and published something on them. So getting that recognition is great. And I think what they are probably showing us is some signs of weakness. That uh, Don't you have that feeling, Craig, as you hear what yes. they're talking about? Yes, I do. That, that I'm not saying they're running scared at this point because they still have a, a lot of millions of dollars coming into the coffers, but they, they definitely are, t are taking notice. When Jay went through this, this history, it's like, well, first we have the German Christian movement, and they're bad. Then we have a liberation theology movement, they're bad. And now we have Christian Palestinianism, and boy, they're definitely bad. And as he's talking and going through this, he's talking about the German cross. It was called uh, Luther Day in 1933, and it had the cross with a swastika in the middle of the cross. And as he's talking about this, I couldn't help but think about the Star of David, with the cross in the middle, like as Sarah Palin wears and a lot of other people wear. And I go, we've got a Christian or a religious movement wrapped into a political movement. 
And to me, who's the wolf, who's the sheep, it's really confusing as you, you listen to Jay Dudley because I'm going, hmm, it sounds like you guys are the wolves coming in and uh, into the, the fold of the sheep. But that's, that's a whole other issue. That's very uh, interesting. Who did they say the liberation theology was? How was that well, they, tied they into anything? It, they put it as a, a new hermeneutic, a new Bible that basically trashes the Old Testament, brings Jesus as the savior of the victims, and makes it a whole new Jesus that really serves the poor. And I'm going, hmm, let me think. What, who did Jesus serve? <laughs> I, think he, I think he did serve the poor. And it's, <laughs> yeah, anyway, so they, they went, went after the... Uh, it's basically saying that the, the Luther movement was against the Jews, the liberation theology a movement was more against the uh, capitalism and embracing Marxism, and now the Christian Palestinian movement is going against uh, the, the state of Israel. It sounds like they just needed a third party there to kind of can help confuse the issue. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I, I don't know much about the German Christian movement in pre uh, in Hitler days and all that, so I, I just take it at face value is what he said. But they they said that you know he said that Jesus became a Aryan. There was, there was something about India, Indo-European. I, he made this big, long discussion on how the Germans embraced an Aryan Jesus and rejected the Jewish Jesus. And then, as Germany was crushed after World War I, they used the word crucifixion, that uh, Germany was crucified, and it was the fault of the Jews, just like Jesus was crucified as the result of the Jews. So the Jews the bad guys. Jesus is the ultimate anti-Semite, and we need to get rid of the Jews. That was their new, I mean, their, their new Bible. Well, that's a constant thing, isn't it, Craig? Uh, tying uh, anything that opposes what they think to Nazism. It's, mm -hmm. just a, it's just a standard method is they find a, find a way to tie a knot between what it, what it is they don't like and Hitlerism or the Holocaust or something like that. Uh, exactly. those, those are just constant tunes they play, and they, it's a reoccurring theme. And, uh, they, but they have some new names plugged in here, and certainly this Christian Palestinianism would sound like any Christian who was sympathetic to the Palestinians and the, the occupation of Palestine and what's been done and to them then would become a Christian Palestinianite or something like that. Huh? Mm -hmm. I yeah. see. Very interesting. I learned a new word, and the word was arrogation. Not irrigation, but arrogation, which is to claim or seize without justification. And it was used in the context of these movements taking away the truth of the Bible and making it their own. They're, they're seizing it. And I'm, thought, I'm thinking, arrogation, that's what the Jews did to the Palestinians. They came in and seized without justification. And so, again, like I said at the beginning, then who's the wolf, who's the sheep, who's doing what to whom, it, it, it gets it black as white and white as black. It was the strangest thing, you guys, just yeah. lis listening to this. Talk it's about, like going uh, into a different world, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Listening uh, to people yeah, from Mars. Something called the Palestinian Media Watch, and I've never heard of that. I haven't looked it up yet, but it's talking about making Jesus into a Palestinian. And I, I'm thinking, well, Jesus is definitely more of a Palestinian than these Khazarian Jews, but that's, that's another issue. Well, he was um, a Galilean, according to the early writings in the, yes, in the church. Exactly. And I, I'd like to know what a Galilean would be at that time. 
Of course, Palestinian is a word that's derived from Philistine, Mm-hmm. And actually, the, the Arab pronunciation of Palestine is Philistine. They call it Philistine, the land of Philistine, which the, the, the Romans used because there was a tribe there called the Philistines that we all know about that's, that's historically there. And we've adopted a, quite often in our writings uh, using the word Philistine because it, it sort of gives the Palestinians a little credence. It, it sort of ties them to a biblical name. And uh, Israel, of course, got its name by stealing it out of the Bible. The state of Israel didn't have a name at the time Theodore Herzl dreamed it up. And even right up until Herzl's death, nobody ever had named the new state to be Israel. They had no, nothing's mentioned in his, in his biographies about it. It never occurred to him. But that name was just borrowed from the Bible. So we have all these abuses of the Bible is what we really have. Uh, the Schofield Reference Bible is enormous abuse of the Bible by misdefining things and footnotes. But some of the errors that really hurt are what these people do, and of course using the word Jew to apply to Jesus, of course, at the time Jesus walked the earth, the term would have been Judean, except there was no J in the, either the Greek alphabet nor in the Aramaic. And so the letter iota, I, is the one that's operative. So Palestine was really Iodean. And the word in the old translations that we have, the Greek translations going all the way back, doesn't have the word Jew in it at all. So to say that Jesus was a Jew is introducing a word hundreds of years after the fact that uh, that is a idiomatic word that we use to think of guys we know. And what's happened here is that we've had this reimposed in our Bible, and we've had. I had a good discussion with some with a pastor uh, who's a guest on the program a few days ago, and we talked about this and how in our Bible study we've come to the place where we ask our Bible study leader to correctly translate that J word when he comes to it. In other words, to go back and use the original language of the time of Jesus, and that that of course eliminates Jew from all of these Bible passages. Uh, It's curious to know why it is that in the 14th and 15th century, someone came along and retranslated all these scriptures and changed the word Iodean to Jew. Mm -hmm. It went through several different forms along the way. It didn't happen all at once, but it would be a lot simpler for us if Jesus was called an Iodean or a Galilean. And in reapplying that, term J-E-W to Jesus and David and Abraham even. And of course, there was no Judah at the time of Abraham. So this is a total abuse to go back and say Abraham was a Jew when the the person named Judah wasn't even born yet for two generations. Mm -hmm. And he was just an individual who who founded one of the tribes, wandering tribes. So what we've had is we've had our language stolen from us, haven't we? We're fighting against having to retranslate all kinds of abuses of the language used in our Bible. And, and we're real careful about that in our signs and our efforts in the literature that we use in these churches. So, Chuck, I'd like to just add here for the listeners, we've done a very interesting podcast on this subject. It's entitled, 
was Jesus a Jew or a Judean from Galilee? And I think you'll find that very interesting if you have some more questions about what's transpiring here. This is a good resource that you can get on our podcast site. Thanks, Tom. Something else I'd like to bring up, too. Jay brought up a book called uh, Eurabia. Uh, it's, the subtitle is the Euro-Arab Axis by, uh, I, I think the woman, her name is Bat Yor, which is Y-E-O-R. I'd never heard of her or heard of the book, Eurabia. And I just went on Amazon. You can search the, the table of contents on, on the Amazon. And I, I find out that most of what Jay spoke about is in the table of contents of this book. So much of his speech was taken from this book. And what is this new Jesus unites both Muslims and Christians against Israel. And the, what's behind this is the Islamization of Christianity and Christian Palestinianism has revived traditional Christian anti-Semitism. There you go. That's, there you that, that, yeah, that, 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 comes out, that comes out of the book. Right. So, um, yeah, well, uh, when we say all we want is justice, but what we're really saying is we want the total demise of Israel, causing to, uh, if, you, if you listen and believe that, you're and Randy Neal and uh, Jay Dudley. Well, I think this straw grasping that we're seeing here, these obvious fraudulent use of words, for lack of a better way to express it, it is a sign of weakness. And we would expect Israel to be extremely concerned that you have mainline churches that have literally millions of members, tens of millions, some of them, actually noticing what they have been doing for 60 years and coming out and saying, this is wrong, and that's just about what, what we're really having. And it's a sign of, of a turning that's going on, I think, and we can be proud that we've tried to make this happen, whether or not we had a role in it or not. Craig, I think every time you go to a church like you did all by yourself with your family and, and do this, and, and then you find out that they talk about you all by yourself inside the church, that's absolutely amazing that they would do this. It's a terrific sign of weakness that they would even mention you at this event. Do you think that's one thing they'd never do, would be to give you credence for being there? Yeah, um, exactly. It's very encouraging. And yeah. uh, all of these things are really encouraging. We just need to see them go a lot further. Exactly. You know, and like uh, Tom, like you said last week, it's, it's not all about the numbers out there as a protest. But just being out there, even myself and my, my sign, it just says something, something's not right here, folks. And it, it gets people to question. Not that many people took my flyers, which I was disappointed. I was, I was hoping, uh, you know, people say, hey, what, who are you? What are you? What are you talking about? One of the pastors did come out and talk to me. I gave him the flyer. Very gracious. And, and so there, I think that there could be dialogue there with him. But this whole idea of this Christian Palestinianism, it's, they're presenting it as this Islamization of Christianity, and the bottom line is that the goal of Islam is to swallow up, like the wolf, both Grandma and Little Red Riding. It's going to swallow up Christianity, it's going to swallow up Judaism, and that the wolf is back. And then, he, again, like I mentioned last week, he finishes with the Romans 15.8 quote, and he says, if Christ has become the servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, who should Christians be serving? It's pretty clear. It's pretty clear. And then uh, Randy came back up uh, and says, oh, it's, my brain is full. It's, 
wow, this has been so much, so much information. And he said that uh, Dudley developed this for presentation to the Kufi college students and the teaching of the students that go out and leave these uh, Kufi on campus. And there's also they're going to be doing that back in Washington, D.C. at their summit, you know, teaching college students how to effectively combat this Christian Palestinianism. I think we discussed that Romans 15 quote uh, last uh, a couple of weeks ago right. uh, in one of the meetings, and it, uh, it's really an outrageous choice of choice of scriptures. And there's a lot of indications now that Israel is sort of changing their tunes in a number of ways. For instance, as the U.S. gets involved in now threatening Russia, Israel's role in this war game becomes less apparent and less needed. They really don't have a place in this. They've been our, our war tool in all these uh, Arab countries, but all of a sudden we don't hear about Israel much in relationship to what's going on in, in Russia and the Ukraine. And we've seen some other signs that Israel is sort of changing its tune. You know, they have two tunes they play. One is, poor us, we're abused, we're uh, victims of anti-Semitism and all kinds of other ugly things, and we need your help. And then the other tune they play is, we are powerful, uh, we are overwhelming, we are the high technology, we are a booming society, we have a big gross national product, uh, we've got a great big oil field called the Leviathan gas field. And they use the second one when they're peddling their bonds, which they, of course, define in American dollars and they sell them to American citizens. And obviously they have to convince everyone that they're big and strong and powerful or people wouldn't dare buy the bonds. So they sell several billion dollars worth every year under this premise of how powerful they are. And then they play this sad, sorry, we're abused and tune. And that's when they want to get contributions to suckers that go to evangelical churches. And uh, it shows a and they don't mind doing it at the same time. They talk out of both sides of their mouths, don't they? So it's really quite amazing to see what lengths they'll go to. And the question we keep asking ourselves is, how long will fairly intelligent people who go to church accept this before they will see through it and say this is a total fraud? Uh, we just don't know when that will happen. Yeah, Chuck, there, were, there was no scripture except that Romans passage you know, put out. It's uh, on a scriptural basis, they, they, can't, they can't defend it. And huh. it's, just, it's, it's just this uh, propaganda that they just say over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's, it's this wolf going ba, ba, ba all the time. And pretty soon everyone thinks, well, that must be a sheep. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they just keep this up. Yeah, yes. Well, it's, uh, it's very interesting. And you'll sign signs of this financial and fiscal weakness showing up if you look at financial news. For instance, Israel's big claim is this uh, monstrous gas field. They say such a huge field, but their biggest partner just backed out last week and said it makes no economic sense. We can't make any money participating mm -hmm. in us. The name of the company is Woodside Petroleum. They're a huge Australian company, tens of billion, $10 billion company or something like that. And they were uh, in this deal with Israel, and they were going to help develop this field. And the, the CEO simply made an announcement: "It doesn't make any sense. We're not. We're not. We're walking away from it." So, when Israel is concerned, you never know what to believe. They will actually say anything, won't they? 
Mm-hmm. There's just no limit. There may not be a Leviathan gas field, for all we know. Well, it was uh, quite an adventure being out for another uh, vigil. Hopefully, we can get a little more support uh, for the next one, because I'm sure there will be a next time, because uh, Goofy is not going away, and uh, we'll let them know that we're not going away either. I'm looking forward to uh, another uh, a vigil with uh, We Hold These Truths and Project Straight Gate. I believe we're getting um, more people interested in it. We're getting emails and things from the, the mailers, which we hadn't gotten before. So I'm, I'm excited about what's, uh, what's going on, and hopefully uh, the, the body of Christ will wake up to what Christian Zionism really is. Great. Well, thank you so much, Craig. That was an excellent report. And ladies and gentlemen, when you hear this, pass it on. Let somebody else hear this. We are looking for the thinking Christians and even the thinking uh, atheists, for that matter. We get support from all kinds of quarters, and we're glad to have it. Uh, Our Muslim friends, and so we um, appreciate your very excellent report here, Craig. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you like this program, please let your friends know about it and our other thought-provoking podcasts. And be sure to visit our website, whtt.org, for a wealth of information on Christian Zionism and other critical issues that we face. Also, at whtt.org, you can watch for free our award-winning documentary film, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Join us in our efforts to wake the town and tell the people. Start small, think big, and press on towards the straight gate.